Well, we're talking about something that I think all moms need to have, and that is the boldness to love. Would you moms agree with that? you got to be bold in how you raise your kids and how you love your kids. And we're going to tie that in with how the Holy Spirit wants us to have that same boldness in, in how we uh, develop relationship with people, with our friends, with those in our community, so that we can share the love of Christ with them. But I believe, really, that no one loves more boldly than a mom does. And so I was talking to my staff this week and just asking them about that and saying, well, what is it about about mom's love that makes them bold? And so they gave me a few ideas, and I just wanted to share them with you today. And you moms will, will know this. First of all, they said giving birth. And I said amen to that. Like if it, if it were up to men to bring children into the world, there wouldn't be any children because we wouldn't do it. So moms, good on you for being bold to have, have kids and, and to birth kids. That's bold. But the other thing they said that I thought was really interesting was they said taking responsibility for a little person and realizing that you are molding them, that you are investing in them, that that how you treat them, how you raise them impacts their little soul and helps them become who they're going to be. And that's huge. That takes being bold. Another person said, you know, disciplining your children. It's a lot easier to enable them, right? It's a lot easier just to turn on the TV or just to give them, you know, some more cookies. But sometimes you have to discipline them and that that takes boldness. Um, and to defy the culture. You know, we used to have a saying in our family, well, that's what the rest of the world does, but the Langstrats do this. Anybody else have that kind of saying in your home? This is the Smith family. We do things this way. And so to defy the culture and what's popular in the culture... And moms, I think that you'll relate with this one. Um, You're going to have a day where you lose patience, ever, where maybe you fail, maybe you fall, and then to have the boldness to really talk your children through that and to even ask for forgiveness, to say you're sorry. I mean, that takes a lot of boldness, to be honest with your children. But I think the final one is this, to invest everything that you are into your children and then know that the day is going to come that they're going to leave the nest. I mean, that is bold. Because when, when you invest like that, you're giving a part of your heart, you're giving all of your heart you know, to your children, and then you know they're going to move on one day. But then they come back with grandbabies, and that's a wonderful thing as well. So, so those are some things that moms are, are really known for, for loving boldly like I think nobody else does. Well, I think we're all called to love that way. I think we're all called to make decisions, to love in a way that, that puts other people's best interests in mind, even when it's uncomfortable. You know, uh, last week I was working on our house. Uh, I've told you we're building a house. So my wife and I were in varnishing the stairway, right? We were inside varnishing away. And I get this phone call. And I pick up. I don't always pick up. It was my day off, but I did. And it was Danielle Ayers. Some of you know Danielle. Uh, she's a mom and she's a teacher. And she has never called me before, ever. And so, first of all, it was like, how'd you get my number? You know, and, and, and secondly, it was like, hi, Danielle. And so she called from Palm Springs on vacation. And I thought, oh, man, things must really be going bad uh, on their vacation. you got to call Pastor Kurt, you know. But she said, Pastor Kurt, do you have a minute? And she was so excited. And I said, sure, I've got a minute for you. She said, I've got this guy here in Palm Desert that I've just led to Christ. And she said, I just wanted to call and, and let you know that, but also to get, you know, get some help. Uh, he's from Nazareth. He's a Muslim guy. And he was in the pool with his friends, and they were having this argument in their own language. So I had no idea what they were talking about, but it was ramping up a little bit. And they were arguing away. So I jumped in the pool, and I said, hey, what are you guys arguing about? <laughs> well, now, first of all, just to do that, 
Who would do that? Right? But she had this urging, this sense, uh, I believe from the Holy Spirit, that she was to jump in the pool. And so two of them said, well, we're Christian, and the rest of our friends aren't. And so we're arguing about God, and we're arguing about our faith, and, and we're really trying to convince our friends to become Christians like we are. So Danielle jumped into the argument and started having this conversation with them. And she said, you know, I shared with him uh, my faith in Christ, what I believed about Jesus. And he ended up believing and receiving Christ as his Savior right there in the swimming pool. And then she said, and Pastor Kurt, then I, I baptized him right in the pool. She said three times, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. She said... I'm not ordained, so I hope that's okay, you know. I said, you go, girl. You know, I mean, you already did it, so now it's forgiveness, not permission, right? But she was so excited. And then she said, hey, can you just talk to this guy for a few minutes? So I'm painting away, and I've got Orr on the phone. And for 10, 15 minutes, I'm talking to this guy from Nazareth who's just given his heart to Christ. And Danielle just wanted me to coach him a little bit on what the next steps were, right? I said, well, you've already been baptized, so that's out of the way, you know. So no waiting around for that, right? But I said, you know, why don't you get with your Christian friends and start going to church? And I told him where to start reading. And I said, you can join my Bible study group online, and I'll I'll friend you, and, and you can do Bible study. But it was just so cool. One of the best days ever. Like, where does this happen? In whose world does this happen? You know what I mean? It was such a great day. And it's that kind of boldness that I want to talk with you about today. And it's the boldness that takes us beyond our our own comfort zone and really taps into the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and allows God to take us places and do things with us that we would never do otherwise. You know, I spent a few minutes just sharing with this guy and talking to him. And then I shared with Danielle again, and I just thanked her for being bold and for risking and for going beyond and allowing the Holy Spirit to empower her. Because that's what Jesus said was going to happen. And I guess really it shouldn't surprise us that once in a while the Holy Spirit moves upon us and we go beyond what we would do. And we open a conversation with somebody, even jumping into a pool, and leading someone to Christ. And Jesus said it like this, Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and in Palm Desert. That's not in the Bible, but it's true, right? And we share this hope because we have hope to share. We are the only ones on the planet who have the hope that people desperately need. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, Since we have such hope, we are very bold. And so I believe it's two things that make us bold to share. One is the hope that we have in Christ. We have something to give away that people don't have without us. But then also we have the filling of the Holy Spirit, the the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit compels us to open our mouths and share sometimes when we would never do that on our own. Why? Why would he do that and why would we do that? Because we care more for the eternal condition of a person's soul than we care for our own comfort. That's why we would do that. That's why we would risk to share Boldly. Now, this has happened all through Scripture, right? So we're going to take a look at Peter today, because Peter's a great example of this. You remember Peter, right? So Peter's the guy who just weeks ago denied that he even knew Christ. 
And then now last week, like Pastor Steve shared, now he's in the streets preaching a gospel message and 3,000 people get saved. Now we find him again in the streets preaching a gospel message. Another 2,000 men get saved. And now he's going around healing people. And there's this one guy he healed. He was a crippled guy. Been crippled since birth. So 40 years he'd been crippled. And Peter, under the power and, and strength of the Holy Spirit, brings healing through the name of Jesus. And this guy gets healed, and it gets back to the religious leaders. And so they call in Peter and John, and that's where we pick up the story. Acts chapter 4, 1 through 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. You see, the, the temple had their own police. Uh, And the Jews, all of the Jews, had to submit to these temple police. So these were the authorities in Peter and John's life. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in that. They arrested them. And since it was already evening, they just put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believe now totaled about 5,000. Anybody ever been arrested for sharing Christ? Let me see the hands. Anybody ever been arrested? I've been in places where I could be arrested for sharing Christ, like Nepal, where they had anti-conversion laws. India, where they have anti-conversion laws. I've been in those places, but I've never been arrested. And I was thinking about this. What if Danielle had been sharing Christ, and here come the pool police, right? Here come the pool police, and they handcuff her and, and drag her off to jail and put her in jail, and it's late in the afternoon, so they, they just make her stay in jail. Well, that's really what happened to Peter and John. They just interrupted their afternoon, put them in jail, and they had to spend the night. And, and we chuckle about that. And the risk is great. Here's what you want to understand. The risk is great. It's a night in jail, possibly beating, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. And this is what I want us to wrap our hearts around today, is that it is so worth it to have a part in impacting another person's soul for eternity. So that's number one in your notes today. Bold love is risky, but it is so worth it. How does this come about? Well, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive him as your savior. As you know, God comes and lives inside you, right? The Holy Spirit fills you and he moves into your life. And I don't know if you know this about the Holy Spirit, but one of his number one goals for you is that you now will share the same love that you've received with other people. That's his plan for bringing people into his kingdom. God so loved the world. He wants them to come. And we are his plan. In fact, we're plan A. There is no plan B. God has decided to entrust us with sharing the love of Christ with those people in our life. Now, for Peter and John, the risk was very real. It was arrest, probably beating, And they even faced the possibility of death, but it was worth it because they cared for their brothers. They had Jewish brothers. They had been brothers their entire life for generations. Not, 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 you know, not real brothers, but brothers in the faith. And so they cared deeply about these brothers. And so they did not want to see them miss out on a relationship with Jesus. And so they faced the risk in order to share with them. Now, I think about my own life today, and I think about the risk that I face sharing Christ here in the U.S. And what, what am I really risking when I share Christ with somebody? Maybe rejection. Maybe they'll be offended. 
Maybe they'll not receive Jesus, but then that's on him, right? That's not my deal. That's between them and Jesus. Um, and maybe they won't like me because I've shared Christ with them. But but the risk is worth it, isn't it? Isn't the risk worth, worth it? Even even to just open the relationship with somebody so that one day you may get the chance, even just to share kindness with somebody so that one day we may get the chance to speak into their life when they're ready. This is worth the risk, friends. It's worth the risk to become a person that shares Christ. Now, in addition to that, I believe that we're in a war for the souls of men and women, boys and girls. We're in a war, and Satan is doing his part. Satan is waging war for the souls of men and women. In fact, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that Satan, who's called the God of this world, did you know he's called the God of this world? Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the hope that they have, the glorious hope that they have in Jesus Christ. There's a war. Satan has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, and we are part of the answer that God has for them to share the love of Christ with them. They're victims is what they are. Like these POWs, these were victims of a war. And they spent time in concentration camp, and they ended up being abused and being starved and being diseased, and and this is what they looked like when they were rescued. These are some of our own uh, warriors that were held in concentration camps. And this is a young Japanese person in a Japanese concentration camp. And these are people who long to be loved, long to be accepted. And what I want to say by showing these pictures, I wanted you to realize that these are pictures in the physical. Could you go back to that other one? These are pictures in the physical. But this is a good picture of of what you can imagine people look like in the spiritual too. They are starved. They are diseased in the spirit. They They are prisoners of war. Satan has them under his grip. And it's our job to go in and to become a part of the rescue team that releases them from their prison and introduces them to Jesus Christ. It's called bold love. And bold love is always worth the risk. These people are longing to be saved. They're longing to be rescued. They're longing to be loved and accepted just like we are. Now, Peter and John had very, very real risk. Um, very re- So real that, that they were sharing with people that actually had the power to hurt them. That's what they were doing. So let's read on, starting in verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. You're going to recognize some of these names from the trial of Jesus Christ. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas. Remember that name? John, Alexander, the other relatives of the high priest. These are the people that sent Jesus to his death. They brought in the two disciples, Peter and John. And demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And then Peter, here it is, filled with the Holy Spirit. How important is that? Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified. i got to love Peter getting in their face a little bit here, right? You crucified him. He healed this crippled man. And God raised him from the dead. 
For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Cornerstone of the church, right? There is no, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I mean, he's going for broke here. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They had not been ordained either. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So two things. They were ordinary men, and that impressed them because they knew it had to be you know, another power, power of the Holy Spirit. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And that is a key element of whether or not we're going to risk boldly and love people boldly and share Christ with them. And so, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly shares the gospel of Christ with the very men who just a couple of months ago killed Jesus. And they haven't changed, so the risk is real, right? These men still have the power to throw them in jail, to beat them, which happened on several occasions, and could also put them to death if they wanted. But I love what it says about these leaders of the Jews. It says these men were amazed by the Holy Spirit boldness, and they recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. That is such a key. Peter and John had been with Jesus. And that's number two in your notes today. Bold love comes from being with Jesus. Something happens when you spend time with Jesus that brings you into that place where you're willing to risk your own comfort so that somebody might know the love of Jesus that you have known. Bold love does that, right? You know, I'll be 60 years old this year, and today's Mother's Day, and I still miss my mom. She's been gone, I want to say, seven years now. And it's not like I think about her all the time or every day, but days like today, like many of you, I think about her, and I miss her. And I was thinking about mom the other day. You know, I was the youngest of six children. Uh, My oldest brother was 11 years older than me. And so I spent a lot of time with my mom. When everybody else went off to school, finally I had like three years alone with my mom every morning of the school week. And she just invested so amazingly into my life. I mean, she would read with me books that were way beyond my, my skill. She would read to me. She would let me bake with her. I remember she had this little loaf pan, those tiny little loaf pans. And I would get my loaf pan out, and I'd get to make cinnamon rolls. And it would be all dirty, right, by the time I got done with it, boogers and everything else. And and, and then I'd get to bake it and then share it with my family, you know. And and they loved that. Um, but then she would also lay down with me and take a nap. And as we took a nap, uh, she would sing to me. And so does it surprise you that I would value reading? I love to read. Uh, That I would love to cook. I love to cook. Would it surprise you that I I love to sing? And I guess would it surprise you that I love to nap? I mean, it's a wonderful thing, right? Everybody should love to nap. In fact, I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, uh, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. And I, I think it's true. I think we should all strive to be like Jesus that way. But here's the, here's the point. It was because I spent time with her, quality time, intentional time, where she was intentional with me, that I picked up a lot of the things about her, and I knew that I was loved by her, and I knew that she was for me, no matter what happened 
in my life. I knew mom was for me. I never, ever questioned that. And just like I picked that up from her, I believe the same is true about spending time with Jesus, about being with Jesus. And I think this is a, this is a key for us. If we're going to want to be people that, that, uh, love boldly and share Christ with people, if we're going to be people like that, then I think we need to be people that spend time with Jesus. Because truly what comes out of us in those moments is authentic relationship that we have with Christ. It's, it's not like, it's not like a speech, like an elevator speech, you know, that you give when you run across somebody. But it's really what comes out of you because you've spent time with Jesus. Like, like I like to sing and I like to bake and I like to take naps. What, what comes out of you when you spend time with Jesus? Knowing I'm loved by Him. Knowing I'm known by Him. Knowing I'm saved by Him. Knowing I'm forgiven by Him. Knowing that He's, you know, changed my life and worked in my heart. And, and He has a ways to go, but He's, He's doing it, right? All of this is what should come out of us when we're given the opportunity to just simply share our faith in Christ. It's about the relationship. It's not about just what you've learned through teaching. And the more boldly you will love others if you spend time with Jesus. And, and I believe that you'll do this even at great risk to yourself. Because you know how good his love is. You'll be willing to build that relationship, to open that door, to you know invest with kindness uh, in the hopes that one day you're going to get the chance to share Christ. It, it doesn't start by closing the deal. I was talking with a missionary friend of mine, John, this morning after the first service, and he said, I'm always encouraged when I'm nervous about sharing Christ, then all I do is start a conversation. That's all I do. I don't worry about closing the deal, if you will, you know, leading them to Christ. I just simply am friendly, and we'll see where the Holy Spirit takes it, right? Let's lower the bar so that we can do this well. But you can only really authentically share with somebody else what is real for you. So being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, you know, reading his word, uh, just enjoying worship times with him, uh, believing truly that you're loved by him, that is what must come out of us when we're given the opportunity to share, even at great risk to yourself. So let's read on in the story. Verse 14. Since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Uh, A good miracle goes a long ways, right, in convincing people. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber, and they conferred among themselves, What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they've performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. The the town is talking about this miracle, this crippled man. Forty years he couldn't walk, and now here he is standing in front of us. What are we going to do with that? But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So this is the rules that they're making. These are the mandates that they're putting forth. So they called the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. How well do you think that's going to go? But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Great point, Peter. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everybody was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. They went back 
to their friends. They went back to their camp and they told them what the leading priests and the elders had said. And get this, when their friends heard the report, all of them lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Let me just recap the story. The leaders call Peter and John back in. They command them, never again are you to use the name of Jesus. Are you to speak in the name of Jesus? Are you to talk about Jesus? And their response to these threats and these demands to not speak was simply to praise God and to pray. That's what they decided to do. That was the most effective thing they could think that they needed to do in response to the threats from these men. Simply to be in his presence. And I think this is noteworthy today, and I want to bring it up because I think this is really the first step that sometimes we don't think about or we bypass. Prayer. Prayer is our first response. If there's a person in your life that you want to influence for Christ and you want to share the love of Christ with and you want to hopefully bring them into the kingdom at some point, prayer is where you begin. Because if you remember, they are POWs. They are prisoners of war. And Satan has blinded their minds so that they cannot see. And so prayer is what breaks through this mind blindness that the God of this world has imposed upon them. And they're helpless to see it. And so we need to begin with prayer because prayer opens the way for God to illuminate the hearts and the minds of people. And so we think about that person that that maybe God wants us to be friends so that we can share Christ with, and we begin with prayer. We begin with prayer. And I want you to notice how they prayed, because I think this is noteworthy as well. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats... And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Again, a good miracle goes a long way to convincing people, right? That Jesus is alive. And so they're saying, give us miracles. We want want miracles and signs and wonders. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. And I want to I say to you today, I want you to notice this because it's important. They prayed, and then they preached. Like they didn't go out and preach without prayer. They made the way, they cleared the way through prayer for the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of the men and women of Jerusalem. Prayer made them aware of the real needs of the people, of their need for Christ. And so their prayer was for what? What was their prayer for? Boldness. Isn't it interesting? Of all the things they could have prayed for, like, God, strike all these guys dead. They could start there, right? Or, God, help them to never bug us again. Or, Or help them to remove the mandates. Or help them to change the rules so that we can live at peace and comfort. But that's not what they prayed. What they prayed was, God, give us boldness so that we can share Christ with this generation. I would suggest to you that that would be a good thing for us to adopt in our life. God, give us boldness so that we can effectively share your love with men and women and boys and girls that come across our path every day of the week. And then, God, give us eyes to see who they are. And then, God, uh, help us to, to go beyond our own comfort and to jump in the pool and to enter a conversation that we had no business entering and to make a difference and lead someone to Christ. Amen. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? 
Wouldn't that be awesome? And so, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. And I want you to notice today they didn't ask God to deliver them from their situation. They didn't pray to God to deliver them from their oppressors. They didn't pray to God to change all their conditions. They simply prayed to God that in the midst of this trouble that we're in, give us boldness to effectively preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that that's what God wants for his church. And so I think that's what God wants for us. Now, when I say church, you think church, right? You think big church. No, I'm saying you, 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 us, every single one of us are the church. We're the church on the streets. We are the church in the marketplace. We are the ones that bring the message of the gospel to Christ, to people that will never darken the doors of this building, at least not until they've come to Christ. And that happens through us. It happens through sharing the love of Christ with them. And so number three today, as I wrap up, says a bold love values response over rules. What do I mean by that? Well, if if you look at the apostles and you look at their friends, um, they responded to the Holy Spirit. And they responded in prayer. And they responded by worshiping God. And they responded by praying for the right things. They didn't just submit and bow down to the rules that, by the way, their authorities gave them. So sometimes authorities give rules that you may not need to follow, like in this case, right? And the Holy Spirit did that for them and gave them the power and gave them the strength to say, nope, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to preach the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to preach with bold love because people need to be saved. And so when we respond to the Holy Spirit instead of reacting to the rules, when we respond to the Holy Spirit, what happens is that worship rises over worry. And witness rises over weakness. But we have to be worshipers. We have to come into his presence. We have to receive the power that only he has for us to become an effective witness in this time. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a time that the world needs the bold, loving witness of the church. They need us. There are people in your lives that need you to take the next step past your comfort level and jump into whatever pool it is that is before you and to share the love of Jesus. And maybe it just starts with acts of kindness. Maybe it starts with a cup of coffee. Maybe it starts with friendship. Maybe you work on this relationship and and don't worry about sealing the deal. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in this friendship. But as you do, as you give friendship, that you would be leading them ever more closer to Jesus. And I, I know the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom to do that. He works with each of us to be the witness he wants us to be in our world. So that's what God wants us to do. And I love that Peter said this. He said, we cannot stop. You, you can give us rules, but we cannot stop. We are compelled by the Spirit of God to continue to do and continue to be what you've called us to do and be. We are the church. We are the church. And the Spirit of God is who motivates us to follow Him and to follow His lead and to follow His guidance, to follow His Word, the Word of God. Yes, but in those nuances of life, we need to hear the Holy Spirit to know when to open our mouth and know when to not. So here's how I want to close today. I do believe with all of my heart, and this is why I think 
that God arranged for us to preach on this right at this time, to, to preach on the good stuff of bold love. I believe that God is calling you, each of you, and calling me to be a bolder witness than we've been. And I know when I say that, you get visions of people with signs. I know. I know you think that of of people standing in front of the fairgrounds and yelling. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about boldly sharing love, the love of Jesus, with the people that God has brought into your life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you the reason why we don't do this. And the reason is fear. The reason is fear. We get anxious. We think they're not going to like us. We think they're going to, you know, reject us, whatever the case. We live in fear to share the love of Christ openly. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And so the more we're full of God and full of the Holy Spirit, the less fear we're going to grapple with. And, and Jesus said, I have come to set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so what drives us and what helps us to move past fear into sharing the love of Christ with people, what drives us, what motivates us is something greater than fear. And it is love. It is love. And here's what it is. And this is going to sting a little bit. It is the fact that you care enough for somebody's eternal soul that you'd be willing to risk rejection in order to love them in Christ. That's really what it comes down to. And so that's my challenge to you today, to me today, in those moments when we have the opportunity. Like Danielle jumped right in the pool with a bunch of guys. It's like, really? Wow, that's bold. You know, what is your pool? What is your pool? And what what pool is God leading you to this week? There will be a pool for you. And you'll have to decide in that moment how far you want to go. Is it just friendship for now, or is it, is it, am I sealing the deal? You know, what, what, is I, what, what am I going to do in this moment? You have a pool that God will bring to you, and you get to decide what to do in that moment. But I'm telling you that what will drive you will be the, one of these two things. It will be fear, or it will be love, compassion, care, that you have the opportunity to bring this person one step closer to a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the purpose for the church. This is the purpose for the church. This is why the Holy Spirit came into our lives to empower us to be a bold witness. Would you stand with me today? The band's going to come. We're going to sing one more song, but I want to pray for you. And I always pray for me in these prayers, okay? I'm right with you. But... If you're hearing this message today and, and, and you're aware that sometimes fear keeps you from taking the next step of, you know, moving toward sharing Christ. If you're aware of that, then what I'm going to ask is just you let me pray over you for that. Okay? You let me pray over you that, that the greater driving force would be compassion. The greater driving force would be that you see this person, whatever person it is, as a POW, prisoner of war, gaunt, starved, diseased in their spirit, and they need to be set free. That's how we need to see people. So if that's you this morning, if you're willing to take that step, pray with me, would you? Let's bow our heads. Father, today, first we confess that we often are held back by fear, and sometimes it feels like the risk is too great. Thank you for Peter and John and their example of facing the worst possible kind of of results and consequences and still loving 
enough to share. And God, I pray for anyone who's open to this prayer today, God, any of us, that you would empower us, that we would receive power, that we would spend time in your presence, that we would be so filled with authentic love of Christ that in those moments it would just spill out of us and we would share openly and honestly about our relationship with you, Jesus. So we receive that from you and we pray, really, God, that this would be a different week than before. That when we're made aware of our pool, that we will jump in, hopefully the deep end, and make a difference for you. And make a difference in the life of somebody for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together one more song. Let's just let our faith rise up and receive anything from the Holy Spirit you want as we sing. Thank you.